0: Welcome to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'll be your host for today. Today's podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous support from the Air Force Officer Spouses Club of Washington, D.C. And speaking of Washington, D.C., MSEC is thrilled to invite you to Washington, D.C. to attend the MSEC Global Summit July 18th through the 20th. We are back in person for the first time in two years with exciting sessions built on creating environments of belonging and connection for our military kids, parents, and teachers. So come network, learn and engage with us. Find out more information at militarychild.org. And we hope to see you all at the MSEC Global Summit this summer. Summertime is often when military families are moving from one duty station to another. Though a new duty station can be exciting, it's not without its challenges. The webinar team recently hosted the MIC-3 to present a webinar on successful education transitions. They explain the Military Interstate Compact and how to leverage this powerful resource to help our military families. We've taken the Q&A from this webinar for our podcast listeners who want to learn more about the Compact and how to use it when navigating a new educational setting for our military kids. We hope you find this conversation helpful. Thanks, Lindsay, for that great information. And I'm going to give our participants a little bit of time. I did see a question in there from Nikki that we are definitely going to get to. For families that are looking at the Compact, Lindsay, what resources does the commission offer if they want to learn a little bit more about it? I think you were talking about that video series, which sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah. So thank you, Susan. Yeah. We have quite a few resources and, and I'm very excited about that. I actually, um, as a training associate, I kind of guide or work with our training committee. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, I think the uh, pandemic really opened up a whole new world for virtual learning. And so, you know, our goal is to reach the broadest audience because I, I am reading some of the comments now that I've stopped talking <laughs> so much and I'm able to see. And yeah, I think a lot of it is educational, right? Teaching school districts that it's out there, teaching school districts that it applies to them, and then also letting military-connected families know that it's out there to help them because you know it's not just. School districts, it's also the families knowing what their rights are under the, the compact. So, yes, I highly recommend that military families that are on, that are watching this webinar, or school district personnel, EFMP programs, um, ECAC, I work quite closely with them. Any organization that supports military families really familiarize themselves with our commission website, MIC3.net. Again, I cannot stress the trainings for attendees that familiarize themselves with the interactive map on the site, because that will, again, inform those transitioning families or schools who within their state is their primary point of contact. And when I saw in the uh, comments, tried to, and it was a little unsuccessful, that's when you, you know, that's when I wish people knew more and knew how to get in touch with that point of contact, because that's when it's important, right, is when you've tried, you're that you parents are the best advocates for their children. Absolutely. And they should be like, that's your job, right, as a parent is to be the best advocate for your student. And when that fails, who do you go to? And so I want people today to just remember the interactive map on MIC3.net and find that point of contact because that is who can help you. Um, And then, you know, of course, it always, it provides contact information for this not just the compact commissioner, but that school liaison, which if there is a school liaison on the call today, um, I'm so grateful for them. I would say 90% of the compact related cases get resolved at that lowest level. And that's the best outcome for families because it's the fastest. You know, when you resolve it at that lowest level where it's a school liaison reaching out and saying, hey, school district, I don't know if you knew about the compact, but it exists and here's what we need. And then the school going, oh, I didn't know this was in our state code. Absolutely, let's help this family out that's gold right when when it works its way up through the compact commissioner and then he he or she needs assistance from the national office a lot of time has gone by and that's not necessarily the best outcome so school liaisons do such a great job and i'm I'm so grateful for them and knowing who they are for the families on the call today are is so important so again you know they can contact that school liaison or compact commissioner and get that assistance so that would be out of the resources on our commission website Um, The most important thing, if if families can walk away today and know that information, um, that's what I would recommend. Of course, we have a resource page on our website. It features our webinars that we put out monthly. Um, Those are really focused on implementing the compact, and so there are different topics for military-connected families on there. Um, as well as for our commissioners and then school districts that are specifically for them so it's a wonderful tab to check out under the resources and then uh, my personal favorite for obvious reasons um, we have started offering the compact 101 trainings now monthly Um, those are a free session they're offered at no cost they're open to anyone interested in learning more about the compact and how it assists these military connected students um, we provide attendees with a workbook that goes along with the presentation um, and if you complete the workbook I, I tell people all the time it's the only thing you need as a military family or school district it's everything you need to know about the compact in one book and you just you keep it you hang on to it the compact doesn't change and so that's the great thing as you go through it once and you've got that for eternity so really everything they need to successfully implement the compact for their students um, and then we also just recently added an events calendar to mic3.net and that just allows people to kind of look at what's upcoming. They can click on a day. It pulls up a description of that webinar, and they can register through that. And so that's another great addition on our website. And I would be kind of remiss, um, talking about the trainings, not to tell everyone that we do offer those virtually and in person. And those are, again, it, all of it, the travel, the setup, everything is, um, again, we provide that at no cost to the requester. So we do work with school districts, again, to try to train as many people as we can within their personnel about the compact and what it does for military-connected students.
0: Well, thank you, Lindsay, so much for all that great information. And I know MSEC has also created an advocacy toolkit that we have on our website where we partnered with CEPROL to sort of Help parents to craft those emails or, you know, how to start those conversations with school districts that are not familiar with the compact. So what I hear you saying is when a family relocates and they have a challenge to first reach out to the school, then the next sort of chain of concern would be reaching out to the student liaison and then up to the commission. At some points, though, can families reach out directly to the national office if they don't? feel that their issue is being resolved, or is there something that parents can have a better understanding to, though, of what exactly the compact covers and, unfortunately, what it doesn't? Yes, ma'am.
1: Actually, on the website, there's a contact us tab um, on MIC3.net, and people, parents do contact us through that, just to give a little background, and then, yes, I kind of will address your question through that. There are three of us at the national office, our executive director, Sharisa Mai, myself, and then our communications associate, Stephanie Ramsey. So, you know, we cannot keep track of 50 states plus the District of Columbia's rules and regulations for education. So we do rely heavily on the school liaison and the compact commissioner. Now, when a parent contacts us, let's, they come to us first because maybe they set in on a webinar and they're like, I can't remember anything, you know, the crazy redhead said except that this email address, then absolutely. Yes. Contact us. You know um, we encounter parents who they have tried to resolve it for six months and then they come to us and we're like, don't wait six months. Even if you don't know if it's compact related, contact us. And um, we will tell you if it's compact related or not, because you know, false hope is the worst kind of hope to me. So we we want to be upfront with families and say under the compact, based on what you're describing to me, this may not be covered, but we always refer them back to the school liaison and to the compact commissioner because in the state of, I'm gonna use Florida again as an example, that commissioner and those school liaisons, they know the rules and regulations in Florida. They have the contacts at the school system. So they are, again, the best line of defense for resolving those issues. Now, let's say the the parent contacted us, we said, we think this sounds compact related, absolutely. Let's get you assistance. We're gonna give you to the slow and then the compact commissioner And the parent feels like, I don't feel like they're helping my student. it's not moving fast enough, or let's be honest, maybe, you know, you didn't get a call back or the email went unanswered, then yes, you should absolutely reach back to us and say, um, you know, here's what's happening, can you assist me, because we will. I mean, we will do our best to resolve any issue. Now, again, with the caveat that it is compact related. Our compact commissioners or the compact commissioners do work non compact related cases, but they can't force a school to do something that's not compact related. So I, I want to be very clear on that. If it is compact related, though, and right now we are looking at several, I tell people we've never sued over a student issue. We have sued a couple of states, it was over something administrative, but to answer one of the questions in the chat box. So this was the commission was stood up in 2007. By 2014, All 50 states in the District of Columbia, which we are one of only four compacts that have all 50 states and D.C. on board. So I think that speaks to how strongly what this commission does for military connected students, how important it is. So once it was stood up and all states were on board, you know, then we're now in our kind of teenage years, right, where some people are maybe pushing back and saying, well, our school district has never done that or we don't do it that way. And then saying, well, it's in your state statute. And if at that point, you know, a school is still refusing, then yes, we absolutely will support the compact. So if our compact says you have to do X, Y, and Z, the school refuses to do X, Y, and Z, we are going to come in there and support those families through our outside legal counsel. So we've not had to do that. I'm very proud of that. But I would say to a parent, one, if it's compact related and you feel like it's not being resolved. Then, yes, you can definitely reach back to us.
0: Thank you, Lindsay. And I do think it is very important for families to understand what is compact related and what is not compact related. And that's where that educational piece comes into play, not only for families, but also for educators. In the chat box, we have a question from Nikki. She's asking about transferability of courses when a student is going from a four by four high school, which I assume she's meaning semester bound high school, and then transferring into a eight by eight high school, which is a year round high school. Have you seen that come up and what information can you share for us?
1: I have, and do I wish that everyone was on the same schedule? Absolutely. (laughs) Would that not make everyone's, everybody's life easier? Yes. So according to the compact, under that provision where we talked about course and educational program placement, so under that one, we talked about uh, gifted and talented and AP, but I said it's also for your regular courses, right? So under the compact, the student has to be kept on track to graduate. So Let's say you were taking algebra and I'm just going to probably use a horrible example here because I thinking on my feet may not be my strong suit, but let's say you're taking algebra one, you transition into the new school. They have to place you in algebra one. If you did not complete it in that school, you have to be placed into algebra one. If you completed it, then you have to come back in and you have to take the next course in the sequence. So that is how the compact addresses that. It's not so much, you know, semester versus year round versus say trimesters. It's really, again, keeping them on course to to graduate. You have to recognize where they were, where they're headed next. Keep them in that sequence. So I hope that answers your question. You're you're welcome to clarify if, if I did not.
0: Great, Lindsay. Thank you so much. And talking about provisions, are you seeing that there's one particular provision of the compact that is used more than others for our military families?
1: Yes. So when, um, actually before I started, I think the most widely used provision of the compact was kindergarten, first grade entrance age. You know, a lot of families when they transition in, if their student in North Carolina was going to attend and now all of a sudden they're in Hawaii and they don't meet that cutoff age, how important it was for families to be allowed to continue that education. Because, you know, stopping a student and then restarting them again, that's very difficult for the student. So keeping them again on course, on track with their education is so important. But you know, I think that what we're seeing now is um, graduation. So I think a lot of families, just because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the uh, the military or what have you, but <laughs> I think because they are transitioning in that junior to senior year and the, the time frame for them to complete everything has shortened so greatly, we're really looking more at reciprocal diplomas, providing those waivers, the acceptance of sending schools exit exams, because that's something the slide didn't touch on, but also, you know. Um, Under the compact, the receiving school does have to recognize those exit or end of course exams from the sending school. And let's say that, you know, a student comes into your school and the sending school didn't require an exit exam for biology or an end of course exam for biology, but the student has taken the ACT. Can they accept the ACT in lieu of under the compact they can? And so, you know, those provisions under the compact for students, again, the reciprocal diploma, um, the alternative means for acquiring coursework. And we've seen a couple schools, and I think this is because now the virtual options that are available to students through the pandemic has just exploded. And so a lot of times, you know, if a student comes in and let's say they were taking ASL as a foreign language at the sending school, but the receiving school doesn't offer American Sign Language, then the receiving school can look around and say, well, is it offered online? Can we pay for them to take it online? They get their second credit in a world language. We don't have to have them start all over. You know, those are things that I think under the compact, under this graduation provision that schools are starting to see, and it's really helping those students. So I think our graduation provision is the one that's being used most widely now.
0: I would have to agree personally for myself, my oldest son went to three different high schools at three different states, and the dreaded PE credit was the thing that seemed to hold us up as transferring in as a junior. So in addition to graduation requirements, are there any other topics before the commission that you think our attendees should be aware of?
1: Yeah, so I touched briefly on it um, during the presentation, but since 2019, The commission has been examining extending coverage of the compact to include all school-aged children of National Guard and Reserve members, regardless of that service member's status. So, um, you know, right now it's only Title X, so we're looking at expanding that. And they really did uh, spend several years kind of studying how often those families transition, are the educational issues that those families face the same as our active-duty military students, and the executive committee of the commission stood up the National Garden Reserve Task Force there in 2019. They presented their findings to the commission in 2020 and it is coming up for a vote in 2022. So this year at our annual business meeting in Baton Rouge, they will decide whether to expand inclusion in the compact to those students. If not, there are several other options open to families because when you open compact language, you are going to every state and you're altering their statute. So it's a big pool and I want to be clear on that. But there are things states can do, and there are several states, Arkansas, Kentucky, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and they're already considering external statutes to go ahead and just extend the coverage to those families without having to open their compact language. So I think that um, if there are any National Guard and Reserve families or if your service member eventually transitions over into those programs, then you will see, I think, that you're going to have more and more states that want to include those families on the off chance that they do transition. But that's one of the uh, topics they're looking at. The, in addition to that question, through the standing committee, we're paying a lot of attention to areas of the compact that could be strengthened through amending our current compact rules, through a creation of a new rule or amending an existing rule. You know, I think, though, the beauty of the compact is the flexibility it provides schools to assist those military-connected students. So we don't want to take that away right like the gray areas where a school can say hey it doesn't say that i have to find a tech school that offers american sign language but you know we have one here and so let's let the kid take it you know or or a school saying even though international schools are not covered we're going to treat this student as if they were covered by the compact so those gray areas there's some real beauty in those and so i think that the commission really wants to say is this an area that we can strengthen with a rule that we need to strengthen with a rule that will not hurt families because you know what unintended consequences you, you know you we really want to be deliberate about what we do with our commission rules because again they do hold. The effect of statutory law so when we pass a commission rule, a state that has signed on to the compact says we're going to abide by that just like it's state law and so we, we are very aware of that we, we try to be um, very clear about. Recently, um, several cases have come to the national office regarding extracurricular activities, and so we're looking at that area of the rules. If you noticed in the presentation, I said facilitate the opportunity, and you know, is that language strong enough? Should we say what facilitate the opportunity means? So that's some things that our commission is really looking at, again, is that compact rules and, and areas for strengthening So um, the other thing that I want to kind of talk to the parents about today that have joined us, and I appreciate you all staying till the end, is we have gotten quite a few cases of students who took high school level courses in eighth grade and then transitioned to a new school. And the new school says, well, we don't count courses taken in the eighth grade for high school credit. So under the compact again, under that um, course and educational program placement provision, if it is noted, and this is the caveat to this, if it is noted on the student's transcript that this was a high school level course, then the receiving school has to accept that as a high school level course. Now, how they accept it can be done several ways. You know, um, they can count the credit, but maybe not the grade towards GPA. They can do several different things. So I do want parents to know that what i'm saying today it can be applied several ways it may not work one-to-one for your student depending on the state but it does have to be counted on their transcript and how that's done and we can work with schools on that but um, we have found a couple schools or a couple states that because of how their rules and regulations are written they don't want to acknowledge that however as part of the compact which is why it's so important that all 50 states and dc belong to this compact We can come in and say, hey, absolutely, this student took that course. That school is saying it was high school level credit. You can do a comparison. You know, you can say, can I see the curriculum for the course? Can the guidance council provide any more information? What book was used for the course? The receiving school can make sure that the courses line up, but they still have to count that towards the student's graduation. And so I think that's something that some schools are trying to really figure out. What does this mean for us? How do we apply this provision?" So I think that that's something we're going to see more and more as the compact exists. So those are two things, extracurricular activities and that educational course and program placement that we're seeing a lot of right now. And then the compact rules, areas we can strengthen um, to help our military-connected families, again, as they transition.
0: And in terms of strengthening the compact, do you see the option of our veterans or reservists having that timeline extended for them?
1: the caveat of one year. Yes. Um, I, at this time, I do not only because we've not, we've encountered maybe one or two cases where a year was not enough. And in those cases, we still had the compact commissioner reach out and still were able to resolve them. So we haven't experienced that. So I would say no, at this point in time, that's probably not going to be extended. The other thing I would like to say, because You did kind of trigger something in my brain, which is, you know, sometimes we'll get a call from a parent who says, I don't live on base. So I didn't know I could call the school liaison." Or I didn't know if this was compact related, so I I worked on it for six months and I'm not getting anywhere. I would say to everyone, don't do that. Like contact us immediately, even if it's not compact related. 70% of our commissioners are a superintendent in an impacted district or in a district that has some form of military connected students. And so even if it's not compact related, they can at least assist you in getting you in contact with someone who can or providing you with some guidance. You know, you're not out there alone. We really do want to help, even if it's, you know, not compact related. We just can't enforce it if it's not compact related. But, you know, don't try to figure it out on your own. There, there is help. There are people out there. Please contact us and we'll do the best we can to help you. And if we can't get you in touch with someone who can.
0: Thank you, Lindsay. We really appreciate that because ultimately it's all about supporting our military connected kids and helping them with this transition so they can be college life and work ready. So we're going to wrap up our time here with Lindsay. But before we do, I just want to thank Lindsay so much for coming on and chatting with us. We are very grateful for your continued support of our military families.
1: Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Thank you.
0: Well, that was a lot of great information. If you're interested in watching this webinar, we will include the link in the show's notes as well as other information. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Thank you again to the Air Force Officer Spouses Club of Washington, D.C., for their generous support of this podcast. Don't forget to register for the MSEC Global Summit in D.C. this July 18th through the 20th. Find out more at militarychild.org backslash MGS. Until next time, live a great story.